0: Quick recap for you, earlier part of Romans 8, Paul has just finished assuring believers that if they suffer with Christ, they will be glorified. Them. If you suffer with Christ, you will be glorified. And so it's like, well, I don't really know if I'm suffering with Christ. Sometimes that can bring up questions in our minds. Certainly I'm, I'm suffering, there's suffering going on all around us, our prayer requests alone show that they're suffering, and there are many prayer requests that you didn't share that are deep in your heart. We ask the question at times, are we suffering in Christ? Brother and sister, listen to me. Those who have the the Spirit of God are sealed by God and your suffering, whether that's persecution or suffering against sin or suffering against this world. Those who are in Christ are suffering in Christ. And so when you suffer for the Christian, this shouldn't make you doubt whether or not God loves you. You shouldn't doubt that because you're suffering. It's actually your assurance of, for God's love for you. That he doesn't let you suffer alone. That you're able to participate in Christ's sufferings so that you could know him better and deeper. In addition, as believers were to put the deeds of the flesh to death, we spent a lot of time on that last week. And by the Spirit, we enjoy close communion with our Father. So we ended with this idea of suffering. And if we suffer with Him, we will also be glorified with Him. That was verse 17. Now to verse 18, where we'll be today. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. My objective here is not to get you to stop groaning for something else. Groaning that things are not right in this world. That there are things that are wrong. With this world. My hope isn't that you will, you will just stop groaning. That's not, my hope is not that you're just going to stop groaning, but that you're going to groan for glory instead. Let's work through this verse by verse, and, and, and I hope that this will be a message of hope for you today. So let's work through it. Starting verse 18 again. For I consider, right? We just got off of verse 17 where he says, we're to suffer, and we're going to suffer with Him in order to be glorified with Him. So suffering is normal for the Christian life. It's what we're to do. So, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So here's what he says. He says You're going to suffer. But Paul's saying what he, what he considers is the sufferings right now, they don't even match with what's coming. And that is so key. Let me, let me start with an illustration today. I need a volunteer. Caleb, are you able to come up? He didn't know I was going to have him come up. Love that. Keeps you guys on your toes. I want you to go ahead and take a sip of this. Look at that obedience. Wow. Would you like to share? That was a cold cup of coffee. A cold (laughs) cup of coffee. Any creamer in that? No creamer. There's some of you I didn't call up here because you're like, yeah, that's my thing. No. (laughs) Cold cup of coffee. How'd it taste? Cold obviously, but what else? Um plain. Pretty plain? Would you say it's a little bitter? Very. Bitter. Man, life feels that way sometimes. Bitter. And there's seasons where it feels cold. And he didn't know what he was getting into. And many of us, times, we don't know what we're getting into in this life. And it is cold and it is bitter. Would you do it again? You see the face he made before he took a sip? <laughs> but I'm going to have him take another sip. But here's what I'm going to do. I know. I know. I know. You know, right? What are you thinking when I take another sip? What are you thinking? Come on, man. Come on, man. You ever thought that with life? Seriously, you ever thought that? Come on, man. This is hard. After your sip, I'm giving you two Oreos and 5 bucks. You want to take another sip? Yeah. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. what's that did he say thank
1: you? I think he did
0: how could he be thankful for a cup of cold bitter coffee there's something else there's something greater than just a cup of coffee there's two Oreos and five bucks for a sip or three sips you tracking with me so far okay okay Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it another way, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 18. Listen, it should be on the screen, but listen as I read this. Paul's talking about things here, listen. But we have this treasure, we have the gospel in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Listen to what Paul says, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So Paul's saying we we sacrifice, we do all these things, so that way you'll live, you'll believe, Church at Corinth. Verse 13, so we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believe, and so I spoke. We also believe, so we also speak. Brothers and sisters, if you believe the Gospel, you need to be speaking it to people. No matter what it costs you. You know why? Because there's something greater that's coming. Those who are gathering in Canada and they're getting persecuted, those who are gathering around the world and being persecuted, you still stand, you still gather, you still preach the Gospel because there's a glory that's coming. knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into you, with you into His presence. For it is for all of your sake, so that grace extends to more and more, and it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So listen carefully. Here's where it specifically ties in. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Some of you need to hear this. Do not lose heart. Though your, our outer self is wasting away You feel that? The outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Listen to how he puts this. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You hear how Paul's talking about the things in your life that you struggle with? It's not that they're, they're nothing, but they are when you compare them to what's coming. So you think, cancer doesn't feel like nothing. Alzheimer's doesn't feel like nothing. My loved one suffering, that doesn't feel like nothing. Someone dying, that doesn't feel like nothing. People who are poor, who can't find food, orphans, doesn't feel like nothing. My marriage is breaking, it sure feels like Something. My kid has gone astray and they're not following the Lord. I'm not sure if they're going to come back and believe. It doesn't feel like nothing, Paul. You can't stop believing the Word of God. You have to see things from an eternal perspective. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us For us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. But here's the key verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen. We're so quick to do that. We're so quick to look at the things that are seen, but not to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You can't look around at the circumstances. If all you have is to look around at what's going on and the affliction and the suffering around you, you will be in despair. You will have no hope. What you have to do is look to Christ. Look to the glory that's coming and say, that cup of coffee was cold and bitter. And there was something much better coming. And that contrast of a couple Oreos and five bucks is nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Back over to Romans. Verse 19 now. So he says, Paul, just summarize 18 again. Sufferings at this present time, don't even compare it to what's coming. And if you're like, I'm not really sure what's coming, you need to read your Bible. You need to be here and listen to the Word of God. There's beautiful things coming, and it includes being face-to-face with Jesus forever. The One who died for you. So, verse 14. For the creation. Now he's going to focus on creation, which we were singing about in the song, waits with eager longing... For the revealing of the sons of God. Creation itself is waiting. It's groaning. This goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Let me read a little bit to you after the, the fall, if you will, when Adam and Eve sinned. You start verse 11. God speaking here to Adam Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, Love this. The woman whom you gave to me, she was with me, and she gave me the fruit, and she's the one who ate. A quick way that we love to blame somebody else, which, if you actually think about it, the woman you gave to me, who's the blame really on there? It's actually blaming God. But that's not the point of our passage, so get back in for how we're using it. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> it wasn't me, the serpent. And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, look at that, he's talking this offspring now becomes someone particular. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is actually speaking about Christ. Coming, the son of Eve who will come and crush the serpent who is Satan. And the bruising of the heel would be the death on the cross. So he sees what he says to the serpent. Then he says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Get that? Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns, thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. At that point, all of creation began to groan, waiting, waiting for the day that the last believer comes to faith. And the Lord is slowly, he's being patient as we preach the Gospel and giving time for people to come to faith. But verse 19 back in Romans 8, for the creation waits with eager longing. All of creation is saying, it is not right, things are messed up and it was beautiful before and sin ruins everything. And so even creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, those who will come to faith. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The personification that's given here to creation. Saying that in subjecting it that way, just like all of us, there's hope that God's going to fix it. There's hope. How many of you struggle with hope? How many of you get confused by what hope even is? I mean, there's, there's, there's things like, man, I sure hope we're having steak for dinner tonight. Right? For those of you who are like, yeah, I like steak. Some of you are like, I sure hope I'm having a salad for dinner tonight. You know, sometimes I, I really hope that like those Oreos that I gave out earlier, I really hope that they don't have any calories in them. Is that a good hope there? Not really a good hope. Not very real. We all have hope and we all put our hope in different places and in different people. The problem is when we put our hope in other people or in our circumstances, in a world where everything has fallen and even creation is groaning, when you put your hope there, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be let down. You're going to be discouraged. And what, what the writer of Proverbs says is going to make your heart sick. Your heart's going to be sick because you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Your hope has to be in Christ, in a person. So back in our text... Even creation is hoping, but for the Christian, hope and faith are very closely linked. Hebrews 11.1, now faith, let's know what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So what we hope is going to happen, we hope that the Lord is going to make everything right again. We hope that all, all creation is going to be restored and it's going to be beautiful. We hope that we're going to be away from sin and there's going to be no more sickness. He's going to wipe away all the tears as we were singing before. That's our hope. Here's what faith is. Faith is saying, I believe God will do it. And I'm going to live my life in such a way that I believe He's going to do it. Creation itself is Waiting to experience the freedom of the glory of the children of God being redeemed and made right. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth till now. All of creation. Childbirth. men, we don't get to say much about this. We don't have any idea. Don't even try to pretend like we know. But for you moms, the pain that you have and feel throughout the pregnancy as it grows and grows until delivery. What makes it worthwhile? What is it that's coming after that that makes it worth it? It's the baby. What makes it worth it for creation to groan the fact that God will make it right? We have to hope in that and we have to have faith that He will do it. But now watch what verse 23 does. A little, little shift here. Verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves. How many of you gro- groan for this thing, this world to be better? How many of you groan for things to be right? How many of you groan? I don't want any more sickness. I don't want any more pain. No more tears. No more turmoil. No more sin. How many of you groan for that? Guess what? That's natural. You're supposed to groan for that. And not only the creation, verse 23, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, we are adopted into God's family, but it's not fully realized yet. We're not living with Him in the kingdom yet. That's to come. Spiritually, yes. Physically, everything else, not yet. That part of the adoption is coming, but we grown in this, this part here about the first fruits of the spirit. We have the spirit, the first fruits, but the promise, everything being realized, that's coming still. Verse twenty-four: For in this hope we were saved. And then he says this: Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who, who hopes for what he sees? That's not the point, right? Hope you know, you don't hope for what you see. We hope for what we do not see. But if we, verse 25, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I love how he says that. So certainty. So much certainty when he says that. I feel like, do we? Maybe like y'all do. I don't know if I do a good job waiting for what's coming with patience. Do you know how you do that? Again, it goes back to by the Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit, and setting your minds on the things that's to come. I can wait. right? Think of of somebody that you love and you're waiting for their plane to come in. And you're at the airport. Just picture this for a moment. And you're at the airport and they're going to come soon and there's a delay with the plane. Oh, I really want them to get here. I'm excited to see them. Yeah, another delay, a little bit longer. Do you just give up? Well, the plane didn't land. Been a good 30 minutes, I'm out of here. Some people you're picking up from the airport, you might. There's a correlation. There's a correlation to how much, you, how much love you have for the person who's on the airplane. How long are you willing to wait? How long are you willing to wait for those you love? How long are you willing to wait for the, the child that's gone astray? Parents, have you given up? Are you willing to wait for them to come back? The correlation to how much you love the one on the plane, you're willing to wait, how much do you love God? Are you willing to wait? patiently, by the spirit? But look what else happens. Watch what else happens. 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. He knows that it's going to be we're weak. He knows that that's going to be hard to do. Right? That's what he says, goes right into it. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we doubt, when we're discouraged, when we're not waiting patiently, when we're setting our minds on everything around us instead of what's to come. And we go to pray, and guess what? We don't even know what to pray. For as we are, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Wow! I'm so messed up right now, God, I don't even know how to pray. And he says, that's okay, I'm going to give you my Spirit, and He'll pray for you. He's in you, and He'll pray for you. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When the Spirit prays for you, he always prays the perfect thing for you. Wow. You ever pray and you're kind of like, I don't know if that was the right prayer. I <laughs> kind of feel like I messed that one up. Spirit never does that. Spirit, never do- Spirit always prays perfectly for you. And now 28. This is where we'll end. And we know. Based upon what he just said, look what Paul says, and we know. He doesn't say we think. He doesn't say it's a a good possibility. It's a high probability. And we know that for those who love God, how do you know if you love God? Do you love Jesus? You don't love God apart from Jesus. That's how we love God. God loves us first. We respond. We believe in Jesus and His death on the cross in our place for our sins. We believe in the resurrection. That He rose for our justification. We, we plead on that. We say, the blood of Christ only. Because He's purchased a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus says, if you love Me, you'll obey Me. Are you by the Spirit following Christ? Then you, you love God. Okay, so look, and we know that those who love God, look what happens. You You can't miss this. There's some younger ones in here today, too. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God, those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Those who are called according to God's purpose for his glory, he works all things for your good. Here's what I want to end with. There's your takeaway, your two ideas. Two big ideas. The first one, keep your eyes on Christ in the glory to come. How do you navigate this world? Keep your eyes on Christ in the glory to come. Have you ever been out on the water or out in the wilderness when the sun's down and you're lost or you're scared in the darkness? When that sunrise comes, when the sun begins to peak up, there's hope right there. You look, it's going to be okay. I need some of you to hear this today. Keep your eyes on the sunrise, S-O-N. It's going to be okay. Whatever you're suffering with right now, whatever affliction you're facing, it's going to be Okay. You need to set your mind on the glory to come and fight to do so. The second part, second big idea. You need to remember this promise in 8.28. I encourage you to memorize this verse. God is working all things for your good. You need to remember, you need to understand that everything for your good means everything. Every single thing that is going on in your life Your God, let me encourage you with something today. You, you waste a lot of things. You waste time. You waste resources. You waste a lot of stuff. Guess what your God never does? He never wastes a thing. He never wastes a thing. And here's what his promise is. His promise is that every single thing in your life, good thing, Or what you would say is, bad thing, and some of those things really are bad things on their own, here's what he's saying. I love you, and I'm going to work everything for your good. Every single thing that's happening. That's why, as James says, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Because they make our strength. They make our faith stronger. Ones who are a little bit older in here. Ones who are a lot younger in here. And everyone else in between. The only way to survive this thing and truly commune with God, you need to keep your eyes on eternal things, on the glory that's coming. And you need to remember this promise that He is working everything for your good and His glory. Amen? Amen?